Hello and welcome to this latest episode of the CER's podcast. My name is Sophia Besch, I'm a research fellow at the CER and I'm joined today by Rem Kortwick, a senior research fellow here at the Center for European Reform. Hi. Welcome, Rem. Um, we're here to talk about not the UK's looming referendum on EU membership for change, but instead about that other referendum. Um, next week on Wednesday, the Dutch are voting on the EU's association agreement with Ukraine, and you argue that Europe should care, because this referendum could have implications that go far beyond the Netherlands, and even beyond Ukraine-EU relations. In fact, Jean-Claude Juncker cares, Vladimir Putin cares, and this vote on Wednesday may be putting at risk the stability of the European Union in itself. First of all, could you maybe give us the background of the EU-Ukraine Association Agreement and explain how it came about that the Dutch are voting on that next week? Yes, so thank you for having me. Um, the Association Agreement between the EU and Ukraine was um, agreed uh, in 2014 following the uh, events which we generally refer to as the, as the Maidan uh, uprising. The um, background of the association agreement goes back until about 2008, mm -hmm. where the European Union decided to work with, uh, at that time, President uh, Viktor Yanukovych of Ukraine to um, see if a deal could be made on uh, trade relations. Right. And as part of uh, any free trade agreement that the European Union signs, there is usually a political agreement as well. And this is the association agreement. Now, the association agreement with Ukraine is specific or is special in a sense because it includes also a set of reforms that Ukraine commits itself to as part of its uh, counter uh, uh, offer for having these deepened uh, free trade relations with uh, the European Union. And among those reforms, there are uh, issues such as fighting corruption, improving the um, criminal justice system, um, and uh, a number of other political uh, dialogues are set up with, uh, with Ukraine to help it go through these uh, uh, through, go through these reforms. Okay, well, but usually these agreements are ratified by the parliaments, aren't they? Yes. By the and, member state parliament. So why are the Dutch people voting on this? Well, that's, that's a great question. And that's a question that um, a lot of people really weren't uh, uh, expecting to happen. Mm -hmm. um, in 2015, early 2015, the Dutch parliament and the Dutch government actually agreed with the text of the association agreement and okay. said that this is a good thing and that it should go forward. However, the case of the Netherlands is particular because in the summer of 2015, a new referendum law was adopted by okay. the Dutch parliament. What that, does that law say? That law says that if um, parliament passes a law, and Parliament had to pass a law to adopt the association agreement, then that law can be um, challenged in a public referendum if a petition is able to collect 300,000 signatures. And 300,000 people in the Netherlands care about the Ukraine association agreement. More, in fact, uh, the initiators of the referendum 
were able to collect uh, 452,000 signatures, um, which was well beyond the 300,000 that are required. Okay. And so it seems that they were able to tap into a sense of unease that apparently people had with regards to the association agreement. Why? What are the arguments against the association agreement in the Netherlands? Well, this is where I think things become interesting and also slightly worrying because some of the initiators of the referendum, and it's a group of three or four different organizations and, and web blogs, um, they have very different motives for okay. initiating this referendum. Some are opposed to the association agreement and say that it is bad for the EU to engage so closely with Ukraine or that they think that the EU should stay away from uh, becoming involved in uh, the Ukrainian crisis and see that the association agreement actually leads that way. Others disagree with the association agreement because they think that it puts Ukraine at the portal of EU membership. Uh -huh. but. Um, the, the main common denominator of all the four uh, different groups was um, a dislike of the European Union and the fact that they wanted to address the democratic deficit inside the European Union, basically saying that the EU and its leaders were taking decisions without support from uh, domestic European publics, that they were unaccountable and that in that way uh, the association agreement in itself is just a tool right, to okay. voice their uh, disapproval of the way in which the European Union today is functioning. So this is about Brussels, really, then? Well, it's also about Brussels. So as I said, there is a, it's a, there's a variety of views. Okay, um, you write that according to the rules of the referendum, if turnout is lower than 30%, the results of the vote will not be valid. And you also wrote that some in the Yes camp are hoping for rain on April 6th, the day of the referendum. Why is that? And do you think that that's a good strategy? Um, well, first of all, I think um, it's not... <laughs> Let me explain why <laughs> yes, they think <laughs> that rain would have been useful. The, the referendum was... Um, met with some anxiety among those in Parliament and particularly in the government. After all, they had already signed off on the association agreement. Yes. And here they saw a group of uh, Eurosceptic uh, activists potentially throwing a wrench in the way in which government and the Dutch democracy works. Mm. Uh, with um, government taking decisions and Parliament approving those decisions. Representative democracy. Exactly. And so there was tremendous concern initially that this referendum could uh, derail uh, uh, Dutch, Dutch foreign policy. Um, I think some of that concern is, is, is valid, but what a number of uh, people in, say, the proponents camp of the uh, referendum campaign thought was useful is to downplay the importance of this referendum to ensure that that 30% turnout threshold isn't met. That's a risky game to play, isn't it's it? It's a very risky game to play and in fact you could even argue whether it's also not slightly undemocratic hmm. uh, because um, the referendum is there uh, and I think generally this was also the approach taken by the Dutch government after clear, uh, after careful consideration that the referendum is there and therefore it should 
deserve a, a, a valid treatment. Um, but it has to do with uh, the background of the initiators, mm. um, their open suggestion that they were actually doing this to undermine the way in which the EU works, to voice their disapproval of the, uh, of the way the EU works. And so this led to strange arguments like, well, let's hope it rains so that people stay at home and don't vote. Well, we just had a look at the weather forecast and <laughs> on April 6th, it's going to be a bright blue sunny sky, 16 degrees throughout. So I, uh, besides, there has been a tremendous amount of increased media attention mm. about the referendum. And uh, I think that uh, that 30% turnout will be easily met, also given the amount of media attention there is for it. There have been comments on the referendum from Brussels and from Moscow. Um, Jean-Claude Juncker has warned that a no vote uh, could destabilize the European Union. And the Russian Foreign Ministry, I think you wrote that they welcomed the referendum. Why are these players so interested in next week's outcome? Well, I think for a couple of reasons. The Probably the most important one is what would the outcome of the referendum mean for the future of Europe's policy towards Ukraine? Uh, and of course, both Brussels and Moscow have a, have a stake in that. Mm. The referendum itself is a non-binding referendum, meaning okay. that if the government so wished, it could dismiss, the poten the, could dismiss a potential rejection of the association agreement by the Dutch population. However, that's not really likely. Um, it's more likely, particularly given the uh, political context in which the Netherlands now finds itself, close to elections and big rise in Eurosceptic sentiment, that the government will at least consider the, uh, a, a potential rejection on its merits and see whether that means anything for the future of the association agreement. Um, that then in itself becomes uh, an issue because of the 28 EU member states, 27 have ratified it. The European Parliament has ratified it. Ukraine has ratified it. Right. Um, and so if there is one country that hasn't ratified it, is the Netherlands able, is a Dutch no able to undermine the association agreement in its entirety? If At the least, it will create some uncertainty. Mm. It will create uncertainty about whether the free trade agreement is still valid, uh, whether um, uh, it's uncertain about the European commitment to making this uh, Ukrainian government more, more stable and, mm. and less corrupt. Um, and so it, it, it unearths, if you will, um, another fissure in Europe's Ukraine policy. And in and Brussels, course. that's feud with some trepidation. And in Moscow, that'll be feud as a uh, as a potential good thing. And so that's one argument. The other is that this will play to a broader trend we see across Europe of rising Euroscepticism Euro um, about more willing or wanting to take back power from Brussels. And that in itself also adds to the divisive nature we see today in European politics. Um, I was going to say, we're both in, in London right now as we're recording this, and obviously there are some parallels to the debate that is going on right here now about the looming Brexit referendum. Do you think that these parallels are valid? Is that a trend that we're seeing? Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, it's, it's, um, 
very interesting to note that uh, in the UK, the British debate has been almost all consumed by the Brexit referendum and um, continental European referendums have have passed with uh, with probably less attention being paid to it. Yeah. But I think that it is very um, important to realize that this Ukraine referendum fits within a pattern of more uh, direct democracy uh, being put in practice or being demanded, uh, i.e. giving national publics a say on big European issues. Okay. I think there are a number of very striking parallels between the Dutch-Ukraine referendum and the British-EU referendum. For example? I think, um, on the one hand, there is this big concern of how do you get people to vote on this, on, on whether it's the EU referendum or on the Ukraine referendum. Okay. I think both campaigns, both the Vote Remain campaign in the UK and the uh, those that want to see the association agreement approved have trouble finding the right arguments to actually get people to the ballot to box. Mobilize. So those that reject the status quo, if you will, find it easier to mobilize their constituencies. Um, another parallel is that the lead campaigners of both referendums, so in the case of the Netherlands, the Dutch Prime Minister Mark Rutte, and in the case of the UK Prime Minister David Cameron, are uh, facing divided constituencies. Mm -hmm. So they will have to uh, they're both playing, in the case of the UK, to a Eurosceptic wing of their party as well as a more pro-European wing. Um, and that means that their campaigning is less than effective, I would say. Okay. Um, yeah. The third parallel, I think, but this counts for referendums in general, is that in the end, the question that people answer in the ballot box is not only the one that they're going to be asked to answer. How do it, you they always... It, at referendums, people always answer uh, a different question than the one that they are asked. It's not necessarily about a 2,000-page association agreement that very few will have read. Mm -hmm. It's about what they think or feel about Ukraine, Ukrainians, migrants, Russia, uh, or about their government. In the case of the UK, it will be about what people think about the, uh, this Tory government, about the way in which the European Union is dealing with the migration crisis, about Polish migrants, or, or what have you. It won't only be about the issue that they are asked for their opinion on. And that makes referendums highly um, uncertain and unpredictable. Do you think if this is a trend, to let the people vote to have direct referendums rather than parliamentary decisions, why is that a bad thing? Because but after all, there is a well-known gap between the political elites and the publics nationally and on European level. So why should we be worried about referendums like this? Generally, I don't think that referendums are a bad thing. I think that referendums can be very useful, but they need to be very specific and I also think that in the case of the Dutch referendum, you could question whether the threshold of 300,000 signatures isn't too low. Is it, is it not too easy to initiate a referendum given the current, uh, uh, the current way that the Dutch law is set up? Because how um, many people are eligible to vote in the Netherlands? About 12.5 million. 
right so it is a so, great low so it's a very it's a very small minority it's it's very difficult to be fully against referendums but having said that i think we are seeing a trend in europe where governments are rather than trying to explain difficult issues mm. to the public and explain why they took a particular decision are looking for the public to give them as it were the approval to do something that they might necessarily not want to do and after that's the where fact, even after the fact yeah. even made yeah. yeah so in in the broader european context you also see referendums being mentioned or suggested in the context of the of the migration crisis yeah for instance hungarian uh hungary's leader viktor orban said well maybe we should have a referendum on the migration quota i mean on these big very big issues uh, you have to wonder whether it makes sense to go to 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 a referendum or whether referendums should be reserved for more smaller more specific areas and yeah. leave the, the the democratic decision making to the representatives definitely a valid question to ask these days um thank you so much rem for taking the time to talk to me um we will definitely all look to the netherlands next week to see how they decide but uh, for now have a nice weekend thank you very much bye